welcome to part two of the podcast where we talk about perspectives on friendship. In this episode, we call on some of our quarters to share their perspectives on friendships in adulthood. We connect the dots on how a podcast about living an ambitious life and growing a business has to do with friendships. And if you do not understand what we mean when we're talking about quarters or you haven't heard part one, this is your opportunity to head back to episode 38, listen to part one, and then join us again for this one. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. In part one of this two-part episode, we talked all about friendships in adulthood, different friendships from those in our inner circle, to our arm's length friends, to acquaintances. And today we're handing over the mic to hear from some of the people in my inner circle, to hear from some of my quarters. We've invited each of these people to give us their take, something that they learned about their adult friendships, how they see their relationships, and what advice they would offer to anyone assessing their friendships right now or realizing that they're changing. You might be wondering why two women who talk about ambition, asking for what you want, and growing sustainable businesses, what the heck are we doing talking about friendship? There are a few specific reasons. Number one, we are both the type of people that can become friends with our clients, and our clients become our friends, and these relationships have to have some degree of flexibility. We put ourselves out in public through Instagram, through the podcast, and sometimes that means you're opening up an invitation to be friends with everyone. And three, as fiercely ambitious people, we need cheerleaders, champions, we need people on our side. When we have solid, meaningful, thoughtful friendships, it's a lot easier for us to keep going when it gets hard, when we know we can call on someone for support. The bottom line is that we need our friends. We need other people. They just have to be the right other people. And although we are visible and growing an audience and want a massive audience, we keep our inner circles close. And in our private lives, we need our people. Throughout the podcast, you will hear me introduce a couple of my quarters. Each of these people has generously agreed to share some of their perspectives, some of what they've learned. They've all listened to episode 38, so they know a little bit about my background and experience with friendships lately. And my hope is that by listening to a couple of these people, you can get a sense that there's somebody else who is in a position that you're in, or you can hear something that you can take away. So I'm going to hand it over to a few of my friends and a bonus guest, my husband, Robin, who for the first time is going to be joining us on the podcast to talk about his experience in friendships as an adult male who is not in his thirties, but still brings a very valuable perspective. I am delighted to have Katrina here to share with us some of her perspectives on friendship. Katrina and I have known each other for a number of years. Uh, we have definitely gotten 
closer. Our friendship has changed in some interesting ways. I am honored to have been asked to officiate her wedding, which is a huge thing for me and I, a responsibility I take really seriously. And Katrina is a student in graphic design. So I've asked her here today to answer a few questions. And so I want to kick it off and start with you know, Katrina, based on what you heard in part one of the episode with the model of friendship and what you've learned about adult friendships, kick us off. What what came to mind for you? Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about friendships. So what we you were talking about in the first episode that really resonated to me and that I've been thinking about a lot as an adult is really having clear expectations and with a relationship of friendship, um, approaching it with um, the same sort of uh, transparency as you would with a romantic relationship and not being afraid to have that conversation of like, where are we at? And not having this like, they're my inner circle, but I'm their acquaintance or something that are feeling that I'm not good enough to be in their inner circle, or am I a part of their inner circle? And sort of sort of having that mismatch and when it really gets in your head of, um, you know, do they like, you know, we, we talked a lot about the people, do they like me? Do they hate me? Um, and I think it's totally fair in the same way that you would with someone you just started dating or even been dating for a few years. You're like, where are we at? Where is this going? Um, and you might be in different places at different times and it's hard and awkward, but at least if you're like, okay, you're in this phase of your life. I'm not an inner circle right now. And it might kind of hurt, but now you know, and you're like, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's where you're at. I'll be here for you if you're in this place. Or you can even just be like, okay, you are my inner circle because my circle is smaller than yours. And if I'm your arm's length, then I just need to make my peace with that. And that's also fine. Um, but you, everyone just needs to know where they're coming from, I think. Right. And I'm so glad that the expectations came up because you were one of the first people that I had an explicit conversation with because you said to me, where are we at in our friendship? It's undoubtedly changed. It changed through the pandemic. And even before we were set to hang out again, I had some anxiety of like, what is this friendship? So I really appreciated that you brought that up because it reminded me that I could be honest with you about it. So I think these transitions between levels aren't always fluid and can be uncomfortable, but are still fair game to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think when there's uh, a mutual understanding of what the levels are to each other, as you know, uncomfortable as that can be in the moment, you know, it's just really easy just leave things alone and pretend that they're fine. But I think that in the long term, they don't end up manifesting into larger problems or rifts or, you know, gossip and, oh my God, she didn't like my Instagram photo. She hates me now versus just like knowing where people are. Yes. I think you're absolutely right. Immediately. I was like, did I like her last Instagram photo? <laughs> I haven't posted in a very long time. It's okay. <laughs> but you did post an excellent story today and you are a self-proclaimed introvert, correct? Yeah. Do you remember what you posted? Yes, it was, uh, how do introverts make friends? 10%, they don't. 90%, uh, an extrovert found them, liked them, and adopted them. And that is literally the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you are the type of friend that somebody who is a little bit more outgoing is like, hey, come on, come under my wing, come join this group of friends. Now, interestingly, even as an introvert, 
you have mentioned to me that there are some things that still rub you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you told me that you had a friend who once said something to you about your relationship and it was a red flag for you. And you went, mm, this actually doesn't work for me anymore. Can you tell us a little bit more about that situation? For sure. Yeah. So even though I am an introvert, I am a very organized person and I have a lot of ideas. And so I tend to be the like, what if we tried this? What if we did this? I think this would be a really fun idea for a party. Let's do it. Um, And so I find that in a lot of relationships, I am the one driving. I'm the one saying, hey, come over for a picnic. Hey, it's a beautiful day. Let's go get ice cream. Hey, let's do this. Um, And it took a really long time to realize when I found the relationships where people did that back to me, how valuable that was. And it really felt like, oh, this is a reciprocal relationship. And so I had a friend at one point who said, you know, flat, and I really like appreciate their honesty in saying so, but they were like, listen, I'm never going to plan anything. I'm never going to initiate anything, but if you do that work, I will attend. And for some people who, you know, have a lot of flaky friends or something like that, that might resonate and be very valuable to them. But for me, what I'm seeking is that reciprocity. And so I was like, okay, we have different expectations and maybe this isn't totally going to work in the same way um, that you think. And like I said, like, I appreciate that they laid that out on the ground, on the floor saying like, I'm not going to keep you guessing. I'm not going to be like, why isn't you initiate? You're telling me that you're never going to initiate But in the relationships that I'm seeking, that maybe that's not, for me, that was like, oh, I don't think this is really going to be the relationship that I think it's going to be. I'm glad to hear you say that because even though it was challenging to hear it and it brought up some, ooh, is this somebody I want to be friends with? There's also a reminder in there, again, around expectations of if this is what I'm looking for and this person can't meet it, maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're not meant to be friends right now. And that can work. And so it's also good to know for me in, in navigating our relationship, I can say, okay, I know what Katrina needs is the invitation. I know that she wants to be asked to go for ice cream. So it's a reminder for me going, okay, if this is how the relationship exists in order to keep it here, if it is important to me and I want that, it's my job to do some of the inviting it's again, putting it out on the table so that we can then respond to it, adjust shuffle or say, actually, you know what? That's not going to work for me right now. Katrina, thank you so, so very much for being here. I really appreciate you sharing. I appreciate your honesty and your willingness to, to put yourself out on the podcast. I can't wait for our listeners to hear what you have to say, because undoubtedly there's somebody else out there who is nodding their head saying, yes, I needed to hear that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to listen to the rest of the episode and uh, the other voices you have on here today. For another perspective on friendship, I asked one of my very good friends who leads quite a private life. You haven't heard me talk about this person before and they've asked for complete anonymity. So the details I will give you is that they live in a different city than me and they are creative. And I asked this person a couple questions and they emailed me back their responses and I'd like to share them. I asked her, changing life circumstances undoubtedly influence our friendships. How have you had to navigate friendships when going through life changes such as moving, building a family, or starting a new career? Her response is the following. 
of all the life changes I've experienced, becoming a parent has been by far the most undeniably transformative. There is no way to imagine how it changes you until it happens. Before becoming a parent, I will admit that I often felt confused, left out, and frustrated towards my friends who had kids before me. I couldn't understand why they were so unavailable. I often thought that they were being selfish, boring homebodies. What do you mean you can only call me from your car on your rural drive home from work when there's barely cell reception and we will inevitably get cut off constantly? Don't you want to hear about my Saturday night and how hilariously messy I got? It felt rude at the time to be relegated to this one weird time slot, but now I get it. My friend wanted to give me the gift of her full attention and she only had this 30 minute window when she wasn't parenting, working or sleeping. At the time, not knowing better and marinating in my feelings of missing them, I did judge and resent my friends at times for not being constantly available. The truth was, I just missed them and I wanted things to go back to the way they were before we were more carefree and available to each other. As a mother of two tiny humans, I now see it from the other side. While I can completely empathize with child-free friends who might feel this very way about me right now, I now see that my friends were not choosing to put our friendship on the back burner. They were steamrolled by the relentless demands and irrevocable changes of the early days of parenthood. When you are the only ones to keep your young babies alive, you can't opt out of taking care of their vital needs. It's not a choice my friends were making then to distance themselves from me. They were, as I am now, just trying their best to make it through the day without passing out from exhaustion. I get it now. I'm glad I wasn't openly a jerk to my friends at the time and kept my judgy thoughts to myself because my shutting the hell up is probably the reason why we are still friends. There are some transitions in life that are impossible to prepare for no matter how much advice you receive in advance. Entering parenthood is one of those moments, but changing careers, moving, getting married, and many other big milestones are others. You don't know how a life experience will change you until it does. You don't know who you will become. To me, the best friends are the ones who listen, who don't think, take things personally, and who stay curious about who you are becoming. They don't want to freeze your friendship in time, or for you to remain who you were at the age of 17 forever. They accept that you and they are both humans who change and grow constantly. And that means your friendship will as well. A friendship that transcends big changes is a friendship that is built to last. My second question for this person, if someone in our community were to face a situation like I did, where they were not meeting someone's expectations of a friendship or fulfilling the role as a friend as this person would like, what would you recommend they do? She responds, I think we can all collectively lower our expectations just a wee bit, okay? It's been a hard year. These are not normal times. I really do believe that most people we love are doing their best and no friends are intentionally letting others down. A dear friend sent me a picture of a beautiful enamel pin this week. It said, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just overwhelmed. I replied, story of my life. I felt seen by her and she did by me. And I really do want that pin to wear everywhere 
because I feel like I need to say that to people every day. When our friends are distant, absent, or acting out of character, I think it is a much better idea to ask them how they're doing, ask if everything is okay, or simply send them a funny meme than it is to veer towards telling someone that you're let down by them or that they're failing you in some way. Friendship should be a safe place to land, not a zone of guilt or shame. You are not being fulfilled by a friendship. You are not going to force someone into giving you that fulfillment. Go and find it elsewhere. It either happens naturally or it doesn't. You're vibing or you're not. And if you're not, it's not always the end of the world or the friendship. Just take a breath and find some peaceful, non-judgmental time apart and come to back together if and when it feels right. A big thank you to this person. You know who you are. Thank you for openly and honestly sharing your perspectives on friendship as somebody who has experienced some major life changes. I will wrap up this recording and send you a funny meme immediately. We have the lovely Danielle DeKuyper, my Nina, my best friend, my New Zealand beauty, joining us here on the podcast today to share some of her insights and her perspective on adult friendships. I asked Danielle here because she knows me incredibly well. She is my top quarter, always has my back. And even though we are a 20 hour flight away, we still commit to seeing each other once a year. Danielle is a production coordinator by day, runs a company called Clay Modern by night and weekend with beautiful earrings. We will link to them in the show notes. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited and honored to be on your podcast. I would love to know, just kick us off some general observations, thoughts, feelings. You start us off. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the main things that I really loved about that first part was the analogy that your friend had given you about the four quarters and the 10 dimes. I thought that was so interesting because I'd never thought about friendships in kind of a number numbers breakdown or it's a very like tangible thing you know four quarters or ten dimes so it was just interesting to kind of reflect on that I don't have a lot of quarters maybe got 75 cents (laughs) and when Liz and I did the math it looks like I've got a buck 25 (laughs) so I've got a lot of dimes who I love and respect and, and Kim Fiden for certain things, but do keep my cards a lot closer to my chest for some very specific people in my life. So that was just a very interesting way to, to kind of think about. And uh, yeah, good little introspective moment for sure. There's an interesting layer here, which is that in 2017, you and your husband moved to New Zealand, where he is from. So do you think that moving across the world, you grew up in Edmonton, do you think that moving had an impact on your quarters versus dimes understanding of friendship? Absolutely. Uh, Moving here at the age of 28, I moved here on my 28th birthday or sorry, my 29th birthday, Um, it's a lot harder to make friends as an adult. And I already knew some people here. I had some, I had a handful of dimes here already from living here previously, but we 
you know, four years apart, your friendships typically disintegrate a little bit uh, if you're if you're not talking to them frequently or, or investing the time. So I did have a, a handful of acquaintances here and that definitely helped um, break into a new group of friends and get the wheels in motion. But that being said, it is a lot harder to make deep and meaningful friendships with people in your late 20s slash early 30s. And I can imagine it gets even harder later into adulthood. So we met in 2013. I was 26, you were 25. So even at that point, we were still in our late 20s. You and I met right around the time that I first met Robin, which ended up being a a permanent relationship. You and Steve had been together for a while. So we had kind of checked some boxes in terms of adulthood. I'm curious to know what it's like since you've moved and how, how do you maintain relationships with people from Edmonton versus people from Auckland? Maintaining friendships, moving to a different country in your late 20s, it is and was a challenge. Uh, I will. I think it will always continue to be a challenge, especially with the people that I'm most interested in fostering a relationship with ongoing, um, you being one of those people. So to be completely honest, most of my friendships in Canada have dissolved to acquaintances, people who I used to consider to be my most close friends, but the ones that matter are the ones that I put the most effort into. So that being yourself. <laughs> um, and to be completely honest, yeah, my friendships have, have really dwindled down and that's fine because obviously I wasn't invested and those people weren't invested in, in continuing that forward. So that's, it is what it is. I think my my meter of friendship is a lot more simple than yours and it's do I like this person or do I not like this person Mm -hmm. and it's quite black and white for me because it's a feeling I don't think about it too much so do I like this person do I want to continue a friendship with them I'm invested I'm gonna I'm gonna text I'm gonna message I'm gonna email I'm gonna send them funny memes and and think about them on a daily basis so those are the people in my my inner circle who I put the work into and it is work friendships are a lot of work and I don't have the capacity emotionally or mentally to have a full roster of friends all the time it's it can be quite exhausting I'm so glad you brought that up because I think sometimes there's this assumption that you should be able to fill a baseball team with all your best friends and I find that to be a lot and that was even one of the fears when you moved and and I've expressed this to you because I'm a I'm a sensitive snowflake like are you gonna find a new Nina and for me that was very black and white and I said of course not Right. How could I? Right. And I haven't, and I don't, <laughs> and I don't plan on it. Um, if some really fantastic woman came into my life, of course I would have space for her, but it's definitely not a relationship that I would consider the relationship with you. I'm talking about. It's not something I would consider replacing because it's irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. I remember when you moved, I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking in many ways. There were many um, tears in the airport, 
And I know that some people were concerned that it wouldn't last. That like, mm. oh, it's long distance. Like this will be cute for now when yeah. you send each other gifts in the mail and it'll be, it'll be nice when you do talk, but there's a massive time difference. And is mm. it going to be that easy? And it's expensive and time consuming to travel. I think that was really heightened. We got matching tattoos and mm -hmm. that's risky to get matching friendship <laughs> tattoos. As you know, well, you know, I've taken a fair few, <laughs> a fair few amount of risks with tattoos. Yes, Danielle, this is not your first friendship tattoo. I guess what I'm trying to get to is that somehow we've made it work. Yeah. And I think sometimes myself, especially, I, I like to put rules on things. I like to put barriers on things. And if this, then this, and you have a much more simple, do I like this person? Yes. If I don't like them, no. So my question for you is if you don't like a person or don't see yourself investing, do you just walk away from it? Is there an active, you're not the person for me. How do you dissolve some of those or end them? That is a very case by case basis. Absolutely. I have had to air quotes here, break up with somebody who I would consider to be in my outer circle, but who is in my group of friends. Um, definitely won't go into the details here, but I did have to end up telling this person, um, I don't like you anymore. This is very broken down. I don't like you anymore. I'm not continue. I'm not continuing this friendship. And this is essentially why without being mean or nasty, it was basically just saying, I'm not feeling this. You don't spark joy in my life, which sounds so brutal, but I just don't see a point in, in having somebody around taking up space uh, emotionally in my social life if I don't have capacity for them. And a lot in friendship groups, especially the broader the group, there will be people that you don't connect with and that's fine. You don't have to connect with everybody. It just does make it a little bit more complicated when you really don't see a connection with that person. And you can see that other people in the group are struggling to have a connection with that person, but nobody is saying we no longer want to have a connection with you. So I suppose I believe in full transparency in that friendship and, and letting that person know where they stand with you. So it can be awkward. It can be hard. I have done it. And then to the people who I'm less invested in, I just kind of let it fizzle out and let it be what it is. And I'll, generally people are intuitive and they can tell when it's off or when it's on. So I like that trusting that, that somebody else is going to be intuitive and aware of what's happening and perhaps going, oh, they're not reaching out as much. Maybe mm -hmm. that's a sign. Maybe this isn't balanced. The people that I want in my life are those intuitive people. So right. that's a really good weeding out mechanism is, are they picking up on what I'm putting down? And am right. I picking up on what they're putting down? Because I also want to be sensitive to maybe I'm not everybody's cup of tea, or maybe this person's not feeling the friendship the way that I am. Right. Right. That's, I mean, an interesting way again, to assess friends. It's like, I am looking for people who, who understand when I'm upset or maybe when I need support or when I need to celebrate a little bit of intuition matters for you. Um, because it sounds like you don't always want to have to explain yourself either. Yeah. My main takeaway about friendships is that 
you should always give them a chance because even if somebody is totally different from you in the beginning, that may end up being the most valuable friendship in your life. I've got a little box of tissues here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it might not happen right away. Mm-hmm. It's like a relationship with somebody that you might not be feeling on the first date. It might be a slower burn, but the most valuable friendships might not happen uh, overnight and they're worth investing in. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about you. <laughs> We're very different. We joke that Danielle and I, thank goodness we didn't go to high school together because we never would have been friends because Danielle was out doing fun things like. Oh, I was going to underage raves and rock and ride. If you're from Edmonton and a millennial, you will probably know what that is. Amanda was definitely not going to rock and ride. I was not. I was, I was telling on kids like Danielle, I was be like, can you believe that at 16, she's going to a rave and she's had drugs? <laughs> I actually have um I have a note here that says we are very different people very as underlined and in bold we would not have been friends in school which makes me kind of sad but it's true and I wouldn't have it any other way because if I had met you in high school mm-hmm. a we might not have been friends b we might have been friends and not been friends today and that is not something that I'm interested in at all so everything worked out when you said it made you sad I said it actually makes me happy because it meant that we saved it until our 20s when we did meet and yes we're very different and I think that's kind of the best you're so breezy you're so much more easygoing you just let things be and I'm very much the opposite of that so there's a there's some nice complimentary things that happen. My final question for you, Danielle, what's a Nina? Well, a Nina for us is different to the Spanish meeting, which is a baby girl, a young girl. We are Ninas because it means understanding, boundaries, a lot of love, And I think it means flexibility Mm -hmm. because I allow you space, you allow me space, and we can always be open with each other and have open, honest conversations and talk about anything. I don't think there's anything that's off the table for us. Correct. So that to me is what anemia is. And that's pretty special. Thank you so much for being here and sharing this. I know you have a different perspective than me and that's why I needed it. Uh, And I hope that our listeners can connect with you. Maybe they'll have a sense of why I I love you so very much and why I can't wait to see you the next time. The second one of us can get on a plane, we will be I am counting down the days to when this happens. There's no set date, so it makes it so challenging, but I am um, hopeful that it's sooner rather than later because I think we're both pretty desperate for a Nina's day. Yes. 
uh, or a mania's month or a mania's week. So crossing my fingers and my toes. I am absolutely delighted to have my partner, my best friend, my husband, Robin on the show today. Robin is a geoarchaeologist and a professor, and he's here today to share some perspectives on friendship. I mentioned in part one of the episode that I believe in four quarters over 10 dimes, which is finding a handful of people that you can have some incredible depth with and you can count on no matter what versus more arm's length people. That's my approach to friendship. I've brought Robin on here. He has some different perspectives than me. There is a, a gender difference as well as an age difference. And so Robin, I would love to hear from you today Tell me how you feel about the phrase, I'd rather have four quarters over 10 dimes. I think that it's a good phrase and I think that it applies to many things in life and friendship's one of them. Um, but I don't know if it's really about like the amount of people that I have in that, um, you know, in the, in the sort of more in-depth uh, subdivision there, you know, it's about how much, um, you know, meaningful interaction is happening at one time in my life. So there have been times in my life when that four quarters, which is really meaningful and deep to me, has actually been distributed over more than just a few people. Because say I was doing a lot of field work back when I was in consulting, I'd be in the field for months and months and months. And people would be coming in and out of your life when you're doing that, some repeatedly, some only for a little while. But in those situations, they're really intense situations and you have to learn to rely on each other very quickly. So I've had like the four quarter experience spread out over quite a few people in a short amount of time and then it dissipates. <laughs> and, you know, when you come back into a less hectic time in your life, then maybe, you know, that becomes more uh, deep with just a few people. But to me, it's kind of almost about just your capacity to hold meaningful or, or intense relationships at any particular time in, in your life. And sometimes it, it just, no matter what, it, it, there are times when it just gets to be too much and certain people become a little bit more distant. Right. Even in recording this episode, Liz had joked that when she added up my quarters, she says, that's a buck 25. I don't know if you're actually working with four quarters, but it is about the depth. Um, we have, I'm going to call it the advantage of an age gap. How do you think your relationships, your friendships with people as somebody in their mid forties is different than somebody in their thirties? Um, I think that I formed really meaningful relationships all the way up, you know, I don't know if this is like a normal, it feels like it, it's a normal progression where you kind of make most of your main friends by the time you're 30, probably, you know? Um, but for me, before I was 30, the internet wasn't really as big of a thing or texting wasn't even a thing, right? So I think a lot of my main friendships were formed in a time when it was about phoning somebody and then hanging out with them. And I often wonder if, if that has changed the way that friendship works today, because I even find in texting with friends, although I, I'm, I talk to my friends way more than I ever have in the past, I don't have any more meaningful conversations with them. As a matter of fact, I might have less because we're just kind of filling time, you know, just because it's there 
with with texting at times not all the time but i find that really exhausting and i find that to be like probably one of the more disappointing aspects of of uh of my relationships with people nowadays is they they tend to be a little bit less deep now that might just be because time has moved on and there's been some drift or maybe it is this technological thing i formed my main friendships and I have friends that go all the way back to kindergarten, but even friends that I made in high school or the first my, in my undergrad, I stayed in deep contact with, but all of that was formed out of common interests that stood the test of um, just being exposed to each other. So there were people that I was friends with in you know, all various levels of school or social activities that once that activity was done, I never saw again, but some, you know they they clung on and and that was because we made a deep connection on it we had a super passion about something in common and then discovered you know we have the same insecurities or the or the same confidences uh, things like that so i i often wonder if that doesn't play a role i think there's two interesting things that you brought up here number one you do have friends from kindergarten from high school that's very different than my experience but also the technology piece you mentioned to me just yesterday that the majority of the time spent on your phone is texting and how that isn't necessarily filling your tank even though you're connecting or you're joking with your friends it's not the same as hanging out with your friends in the backyard or going to a patio and actually seeing them in person I know those visits really fuel you how have your friendships changed throughout the pandemic well this is going to be a little bit contradictory to what I just said but maybe maybe not during the pandemic I actually deepened some friendships are not deepened, but re-engaged in some friendships with people that are farther away uh, from the hometown than, uh, than they used to be. And the pandemic kind of prompted this re-engagement with them. And I think that helped me learn how to use technology in a meaningful way here, right? Uh, so we would do this mostly over Zoom, which was new, right? We, I don't know that a lot of people did Zoom calls before the pandemic with their friends, you know? I'm not sure I'm old, but it, it just, uh, it was helpful there and that it, it, that was more meaningful. It didn't replace the, the one-on-one actual time, but I did see that I could do that, but I couldn't see making a new friend that way. That's very it interesting is. that the Zoom friendships that were able to be maintained didn't necessarily start there. It was more of a translation of what was existing. Yes. You know me inside and out, so I'm going to, to dig into this and ask, because you see my experiences of friendship, you know my five quarters, what do you hope for evolving friendships for people in my age range? Give us some of your sage, old, wise wisdom. <laughs> um, well, I think that, so I, I, I was thinking about this kind of like, how I was talking about how people come in and out and it's about the, the, the circumstances and the, the quality you have. Or, I, I don't know that any friendship ever really dies in a, in a way because there are people that say some of those people from back in the field days where we were really close but the circumstances had split us apart a little bit. And, um, but if I saw them again today, you know, we had gone through some stuff that just is indelible on either one of us. 
And I will often think of times when I'm back in the field or in situations that are similar to what I experienced with those people. I will think of them and I'll think of our friendship and I'll think of what I learned from them and apply it today uh, uh, or or even just wax sentimental about it or hang out with my you know four quarters and tell stories about them so in my perception like friendship isn't a it it's 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 ethereal it's not a, a concrete thing and i think maybe at times nowadays we're sort of quantifying our relationships too much instead of feeling them so, you know, oh, this person hasn't contact, this person's ghosting me. You know, I mean, technically some friends and I have ghosted each other for a decade, but if they got a hold of me tomorrow, I, I, I would not be upset with them. <laughs> you know, there's reasons for that. There's totally reasons for that. And I, I don't get, I don't get butt hurt about this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I do see that creep in sometimes with, I'm not saying you, but I know, you know, I've heard this, you know, out there, but I, I think that's important to remember. And, and I think it, it can actually, sometimes we can not realize what we've had with people or do still have with people because we think that contact is the, the number one thing. Again, I realize that's contradictory and that I'm saying contact's important to making friends, but I don't know if it's all that important to maintaining a friendship. You know? It sounds like what you're asking for is an acceptance of fluidity in relationships. They come yeah. and go, sometimes they're deep, sometimes they're not, but it isn't necessarily about your proximity to each other. It isn't necessarily about how often you talk. It's knowing that you have some degree of shared experience and that if two people agree on that, that's what a friendship is based on. I mean, you know, I, I think about it. There, there are people that, you know, that have uh, passed away that I think of and I think of their friendship or their mentorship or whatever and like um, that's still there that's a real thing even though I'll never see that person again but the added well not the added but the bonus of these other people who you may have not be in as much contact with or not is that you can see them again you know if, if you feel the impetus or they feel the impetus and it's it's a nice little you know, Easter egg in your life sometimes when somebody pops up again, says, oh, hey, you know, like this has happened to me. I got a new job and people pop up and be like, oh, I see you got a new job, you know, congrats. By the way, when you're there, you know, do you do this? Because I might be able to, and it's, you know, it's nice. It's a it's a neat little, you know, scavenger hunt <laughs> in your life. And and uh, I think that's that's a good thing. I like that. I really appreciate that. The scavenger hunt of life is finding your friends, old ones re-emerging, relationships changing. Thank you so much for offering your perspective today. I know I've got a couple different ones on the podcast, but I figured as the person that meets the majority of my social needs and that I spend the most time with, it was important to hear from you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. After part one of this episode was released, I got a message from one of my four quarters, Natasia. She messaged me and said, I just wanted to say that I love you and you are a wonderful friend and I'm one lucky gal to have you in my life. Also, I teared up listening to the episode at the part about shopping for a car seat with a friend. I'm sad that I couldn't be part of the interviews for you. It just wasn't right for my life right now. But I did think of another question for friend criteria around the intangibles like 
how do they make you feel? Which is kind of based on the why part two. But sometimes friends just make you feel crummy, even if they're good on paper or vice versa. And sometimes friends make you laugh snort for no reason. And they're just the only friend that makes you do that. I have many friends where I don't feel truly myself, even though there's no reason to. Sometimes it's just about personalities not clicking or something. I hope this is helpful. A big thank you to Natasia for opening up and sharing this with me. Having this conversation with so many people has flooded my text conversations in the most wonderful way. After recording the episode part with Danielle, she sent me another message and said, I have another thought about friendship. I thought when you're younger, you'd think it was so much cooler to have 10 dimes than it would be to have four or five quarters because more is more when you're a kid. And I was thinking, when does that drop off? I suppose it would be very different for everybody at what stage you mature to want less, more simple, more meaningful. Just another thought to consider. To wrap up this topic, the one thing that I've learned from doing this, from having these conversations, is that friendships aren't always easy, but when they are peppered with laughter and joy and love and care, they are some of the most valuable treasures that we have. My friends are absolute gems. They are treasures in my life. I am so very glad to have them. And I work for that relationship. We both put in effort and whether it is sending a funny meme, telling somebody I'm not ignoring you, telling them you love them even when they're in a different time zone and might be sleeping when you send it, that communication really matters. It's less about the frequency, less about what you do or what bonded you to begin with, but it's that you maintain this relationship and you both agree that it's important to you. My hope is that with this episode, you heard some perspective that made you think, that made you feel comfortable, that made you reach out to one of your friends and say, I'm so glad I have you. Thank you so much for joining us for this two-part episode of the Amanda Wagner podcast.